Welcome to the Cars and Capital podcast. Uh, my name is Austin. And I'm David. And this is where we talk about the ins and outs of cars and where we make the money talk just a little less scary. So for this new podcast, every episode, we'll take some time to recap some of the most exciting news in the car world that week. From the beaters on the front page of Craigslist to the latest multi-million dollar dream machines. All right. So in this week's automotive news, the biggest thing, in our opinion, our new podcast, finally getting the launch it. We've been talking about it for almost a year and uh, all the pieces finally came together this week so that we can get it out. Yeah, it took us, uh, took us a long time to perfect our recipe, but we think we got something that we're proud of here. Yeah, I mean, it was a great learning experience. It just, it's not as easy as the people on the internet make it out to be. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought gurus would make things sound easy? <laughs> not me. Couldn't have been me. Yeah, so the next big thing for this week is, uh, you know, just continued information coming out about the new F-150 Lightning. Uh, it seems like Ford did a really solid job with that, you know, planned out a bunch of different trim levels and uh, even took into uh, consideration the commercial market and all of the fleet vehicles. Yeah, this this truck that they put together is uh, is really exciting. The The base battery pack has 426 horsepower, 775 pound feet of torque, and a range of about 230 miles. With the extended battery, that power bumps up uh, by almost 150, all the way to 563 horsepower with the same amount of torque, 775 pound feet, and a range of 300 miles. And that's on a single charge. Yeah, that's really great for a uh, electric vehicle. I know, you know, there's going to be guys out there that won't consider a vehicle unless it has 400 miles of range. But for the average person, you know, just being able to go to and from work is all they need. And this seems like a perfect vehicle, great for weekend projects. Uh, you know, it's going to be great for their around town commercial use, like uh, city workers and that kind of thing. Yeah, for city workers, it's going to be great. It's actually in that base work trim that uh, what they're calling the F-150 Lightning Pro, that starts at $41,669 for that base trim. And you get uh, vinyl seats, uh, the 12-inch uh, infotainment screen instead of the normal 15-and-a-half-inch screen, and that 300-mile battery pack. Um, and Austin, just so you know, um, that uh, extended battery lets you do 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds. And by comparison, the fastest truck right now that Ford makes is the Raptor, and that does it 0 to 60 in 5.2 seconds. Yeah, it really seems like uh, Ford did their best to keep with the whole lightning trend. Like the old trucks used to be more of a sports truck, you know, um, high horsepower V8 and fast 0 to 60 times. They didn't quite do a sports truck this time, but they definitely kept up with the high horsepower, high torque, and... Mm -hmm definitely fastest zero to 60 time of any production truck i know of yeah yeah if there's one thing ford knows it's it's the trucks and it's the the customers who buy trucks and i think for the, the majority of the customers especially the ones who aren't uh towing a whole lot this is the perfect vehicle and you know ford is even saying in agreement with the epa who does the rating of these of the of the battery pack these trucks can do more than 230 or 300 miles, you know, based on your battery pack. They're saying, you know, depending on where you are in the United States, 
you know, based on temperature, elevation, if you're towing anything, you can actually get more than the advertised uh, range out of this, out of this truck. If you play your cards, right. Which I think is just, it's just incredible that you can get even more than potentially 300 miles out of these trucks, considering just how heavy they are and how big they are. I think it, I think it speaks volumes for how hard Ford worked on this truck and how, how important they know that this is to, uh, to the electric car market and to the consumer. Yeah. We're definitely seeing a lot of, uh, advancements when it comes to electric cars, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And, and these work trucks, um, the, the F-150 lightning pro still qualifies for that, uh, government incentive program, which gives you seven and a half thousand dollars in a rebate based on the, uh, the price of your brand new car. So you could actually get uh, a 300 mile range, four and a half seconds, zero to 60 truck for $35,000, which is, I think the same price as a lot of other, um, a lot of other electric cars and they can't, they can't tow nearly as much. They can't do anything nearly uh, as well as, as the F-150 here. This is an extremely capable vehicle for a pretty great price. Yeah, so that one's good. And then we also got news that Lamborghini is going to be electrifying their cars, which, you know, some people have mixed feelings about, I think it's cool because as long as they're keeping an internal combustion in it, engine in it, a hybrid system is a great option for getting a ton of power to the ground all yeah. at once. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to switch to a smaller displacement turbocharged engine. That could just mean that they take their big old V10s and V12s and then just slap on an electric motor and a battery and make the current car that sounds phenomenal even faster and more economical. Yeah. So we're really excited to see what happens to the electrification of cars. We're also excited to see if something else comes up or, you know, what the future of cars hold that, you know, that's just what every car guy wants to see. They just want to see cars get progressively faster and more powerful, more electrifying. Yeah. That's an option. <laughs> All right. So that's going to be it for this week's news, but we're going to jump into segment two which we're not really sure on that name. So if you guys have any ideas, hit us up on uh, Instagram at cars and capital, shoot us a DM, let us know what you think. And uh, maybe we'll get your idea out there as our new segment too. All right. So um, on today's podcast, since this is the first one, um, awesome. We're just going to kick off, get to know each other a little bit. Uh, let the audience get to know us a little bit. And uh, I think the best way to do that really is to go over our dream three car garage. Um, Everybody I talk to always has a dream garage. Um, so I just thought that we could uh, we could do the same thing. But I think we uh, wanted to spice it up a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of people have a daily and a weekend and a track car category. Uh, instead of a track car, we're going to cut that out and throw in a wild car. You can have whatever you want as your magical third car. And to make this a little bit more realistic and relatable to anybody listening, we're going to have three separate tiers. We're going to have uh, the cheapest buy-in, so the cheapest car in each category that we would want to have, then the uh, the most practical, the one ideally that we would want to have given our current circumstances, and our dream garage. So out of all the cars in the world, what three car garage would be our dream garage? Uh, Austin, do you want to go ahead and start us off with um, what your cheapest buy-in would be? Yeah, three-car so, garage. 
Yeah. So my cheapest buy-in would be um, the Fiesta ST for my daily category because um, it's, you know, one of the more budget-friendly hot hatches out there um, and it has a cheap running cost and everyone I've talked to loves the way they handle. They were, you know, reviewed super well online um, and it just seems like a fun little car to throw around on a daily basis and it'll, you know, save some f- fuel costs in the long run. Yeah, I've actually heard that it's one of the best handling hot hatches that you can buy, new or used or anything. So that's it's <laughs> a great choice. Yeah. Yeah, and then getting into the weekend car, this one's a little less budget-friendly, but like who has a super budget-friendly weekend car to begin with? But the really the <laughs> cheapest weekend car I'd want to have currently is a GGSTI, so like an 04 to 07. So, um, depending on for all the laymen out there, what's the uh, headlights look like? Um, this is going to be either a blob eye or a Hawkeye. And, uh, yeah, I had one. I loved the car. It was awesome in the winter. Best car I've driven in the snow. Um, it was fun during the summer. I could whip it around, uh, like some gravel roads and stuff. And it really showed its rally heritage. Um, and yeah, it's not the, cheapest car i could have um because when we came up with these categories it was what's the cheapest car we'd want to have not the cheapest car possible yeah because i mean you could go i mean you could go bare bones scrape the bottom of the barrel but i mean that's not you know that's not what we wanted to do no so yeah this is the cheapest car i would want to have is like a weekend car where i take it out Mm -hmm. um and then combining that with like my daily option this covers like if it snows too much for like front wheel drive to handle it like which does happen Mm -hmm. um this one will give me a little extra give and since i would probably lift it make it more of a (laughs) rally-esque car um i think this would be my cheapest buy-in and you know as i mentioned i already had one love the car um so this is my my weekend car um, nice. My wild card for the cheap category is going to be a project car, and I picked the FCRX7. So this is, you know, predates the um, FD that everyone knows, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Fast and the Furious cars. Um, but I would want the turbo model, and given that it's a rotary, I expect that it would not work when I first got it and would need some work. So. I like to modify stuff to be like OEM plus, and that's what I would go for in this car is an OEM plus look with, you know, more performance. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to buy your uh, Apex seals in bulk. So uh, let's hope you get a good broker for those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's uh, the wild card and not the, the weekend car. Cause yeah. So, yeah. So this one sounds like it'll be more of a project car than anything. Yep. It's yeah, the one that's, it's the one that's never finished. Yeah. It's the one that's never finished. So with that, what do your cheapest buy-ins look like? All right. Well, you know, I like your I like your Fiesta ST. I agree that it's probably the best handling new uh, new hot hatch that there is. But I think it's not the best hot hatch. The best hot hatch is the king of all hot hatches. It's the GTI. Uh, specifically, I would buy a Mark Six GTI. Um, that's one. It's I don't know. It's like ten years old, but it's it's perfect. It's got enough power. It's bigger than the Fiesta. It's more powerful than the Fiesta. It's still, it still handles pretty well. Uh, I think it looks a lot better. I think the interior is a lot better. It's, 
I love Volkswagens. Uh, I have Volkswagen. My mom's had three Volkswagens. It's it's pretty much my go-to when I think about what the best daily driver is. Uh, my weekend car. Uh, I'm an all-American American, big muscle car guy. Naturally, I'm going to pick a C5 Z06. I think that's the cheapest way into 400 horsepower. That'll be a perfect weekend car, perfect track car. Uh, only problem is it has got potentially the worst interior put into any car of all time ever. So if I could drive with my eyes closed, that would be ideal. <laughs> now I've seen, uh, I've seen kits to change it, but uh, it's, it's horrendous, but the, the, the performance is phenomenal. The engine is phenomenal and the exhaust is phenomenal. So that's my choice. And then my wild card's a little different than yours. Mine is not so much a project car. It is my uh, outdoorsman car. Notice I don't have anything with all-wheel drive on here, and uh, I'm a big fan of skiing. So my choice would be to take a Subaru Outback wagon and jack it up and turn it into a battle wagon. Lift, big old tires, big strong wheels, and go off-road in that sucker. I think that's the funnest thing in the whole world. <laughs> you yeah. can have it. You can do it for super cheap. So do you have a preference on what year battle wagon or is it just any outback that you can afford? So actually my mom also had a super outback that I, that I used to drive all the time when I was growing up learning how to drive. And the, uh, I think it's like the 2005 to 2009 super outback. That's the perfect body style for me. I would put like a five inch lift on that and put some big old off-road tires on there and go to town. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a big lift on an outback, but sounds like it'd be fun. Oh yeah. It would be fantastic. I'd make sure I got the turbo version too. That way uh, you can chip it, make it a little bit faster. Yeah. We'll see. And you can make it up some hills. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I might not do a five inch lift. We'll see. Uh, but it'll be, it'll be lifted for sure. It'll look ridiculous, which is the whole point. It's going to put a smile on everybody's face as they walk by. Nice. All right, so with that, I think I think we've pretty much covered the the cheapest buy-in for each of us. Uh, now I want to talk about the most practical car for each of us, and so really what that means is what you can afford like right now, right? So it's I mean the cheapest buy-in was as cheap as you care to go, and now this is what you can really afford right now. Um, Austin, why don't we start with with your your ideal practical three-car garage? <laughs> All right, so for the practical garage, I kind of looked at it as um, what we can afford to have or what our goal is that's like an achievable goal, not like a, you know, a dream garage. It's the like what I can make happen in like within five years. So for my daily, I picked the um, Mark 7.5 Golf R. So that's like a 2018 or 2019 which is funny because I already own an Indium Gray 2019 Golf R. So I've already achieved one of my practical cars. Mission accomplished. You yeah. can ride it off the checkbook. <laughs> yep. And I did the same thing with my like weekend car in the cheapest category. I had the STI. I, like I picked these cars as cars that I actually want, not just as like in theory, it'd be cool. Um, but I love my, my Golf. Um, it does everything I want it to. It's all wheel drive for the snow in Colorado. Um, it's fun to drive. It's got all the cre creature comforts I would want. Um, and it's super tunable. So once I'm ready to do that, I'll be able to have some fun with it. Um, 
Getting into my weekend category, we're sticking with that VW group um, and going with a 981 uh, Cayman GT4. Um, nice. I love the idea of lightweight sports cars, um, especially mid-engine sports cars. And I think Porsche makes some of the best sports cars out there. So I went with the GT4 because it's still got the manual. It's mm-hmm. um, lightweight, mid-engine, and they didn't make a lot of them. And I think they're going to go up in value in the long run. So this would be, a, you know, pushing it budget-wise, but I think it's a car that won't lose me money or it could make me money while I get to enjoy it for all of the cool benefits of, you know, GT4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they didn't make that car for a very long time. So there, it's not like you're going out and buying a Corvette. There are only a finite amount of those uh, of those GT4s. Yeah, there's not many at all. Like when you jump on Auto Trader, it's usually impossible to find the exact slim, spec. Yeah, slim pickings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's usually like I can find one that's specced close enough that I'd be happy with. But mm-hmm. if I do find the one that's specced right, it's like an exciting moment. Yeah, you got to buy it no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much it costs. Yeah. Whatever the cost, we will buy it. Yeah. And then <laughs> my wild card here is entirely different than what my cheapest buy and wild card w- was. So I grew up on like a boat. So in my practical category, I envisioned myself owning a boat also. So I went with the uh, SVT Raptor with the 6.2 liter um, so that I could tow a boat. And it's also a truck that I think will hold its value pretty well because it's pretty limited run and it's unique. So I don't think it's going to be a huge depreciating um, asset like some other trucks would be in the long run. Like a new Raptor. Like a new Raptor, yeah. yeah. That would be even cooler to have. That would just be cool. Because <laughs> of all the cool technology they added. But yeah. I don't really think investing that much money in a truck that's going to be worth half that in a couple of years is worthwhile so what you're saying is put the 6.2 liter engine in the new raptor that sounds like it sounds like what you're saying right now i think that's gonna make it (laughs) front heavy but it would be fun very front heavy but you could jump it you could jump it (laughs) yeah i thought when you were talking about boating i thought for sure your wild card would just be a boat (laughs) in my dream garage my wild card car is a boat Get one of those uh, old amphibious cars. Yeah. <laughs> Call yeah, it a day. That would be. Turns better one direction than the other because both props spin the same way. She's going to be spinning in circles as soon as you get in the lake. It's just, I can only go left. I'm only going to go left. <laughs> Fun fact, my grandpa knew a guy that had one of those amphibious boats and the guy would drive it in the um, like private lakes in my hometown. Nice. I uh, I always heard a story about uh, President LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson. He used to own a an amphibious car, and he would prank visitors to the White House by taking them for a drive in the car and then pretending that the car was out of control and would drive into the lake screaming, and the, all the passengers would be screaming and how they thought they were all going to die. And then the car would float, and he would just burst out laughing. I mean, that's a fun joke. He's a man of the people, LBJ. Yeah, man of the people. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track with your practical garage. All right. Well, you know, I uh, 
you know, I, I haven't given enough love to the uh, the Volkswagen Auto Group today. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going out on a limb here. Uh, my my ideal practical daily is a uh, a used Macan GTS, Porsche Macan GTS. You can actually, I could pick up one of those up used for the same price as your brand new 7.5 uh, Golf R. So that's better than your Golf R because it's bigger and it's more practical and it's more powerful and it's got a better all-wheel drive system. <laughs> all right, that's fair on the all-wheel drive system. The, yeah. the whole Haldex thing is not rear wheel drive. All, Rear-wheel drive-based all-wheel drive is better than your GTI-based system until it absolutely needs rear-wheel drive. Yeah, I do miss the all-wheel drive for my STI. Yeah. Because that's permanent all-wheel drive. And I think Macan is... I don't know if it's permanent. I think it's rear-wheel drive and then all-wheel drive until it's needed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Okay. And then for my weekend car, uh, I saw that you picked a lightweight mid-engine sports car. And so I tried to pick a lighter weight mid-engine sports car that's better than that. (laughs) And I went with the Alfa Romeo 4C Spider. And that's actually a car that I'm saving up to buy right now and i'm very close so i should be buying that here uh pretty soon and didn't you get to drive one of those before i did yeah so uh, <laughs> the the interesting story here is uh i test drove this with two broken arms <laughs> and if you don't know anything about this car it's got no power steering uh and it was it was incredibly painful but also one of the best experiences of my whole life this car was absolutely phenomenal to drive even in the excruciating pain of turning a car with no power steering. Bananas. <laughs> sounds like a crazy experience. Yeah, it was. It probably wasn't a smart idea, uh, but I was I was young and stupid. Well, younger and stupider. Uh, so I figured, you know, why not? What's the worst that could happen? The answer is your arms will never be the same and they will continue to hurt when it's cold outside. So don't do that. Not like I know from personal experience. <clears throat> anyway, so looking at your looking at your Raptor, I went in a slightly different direction. Uh, but actually, the argument that you made is the same that I would make for my Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Uh, obviously, this is a uh, sports car, just like the 4C Spider but this does some different things in the 4C Spider. This is actually comfortable to be in. This would be my road trip car. Uh, and just like how your Raptor is a, a higher value proposition than the new Raptor, this Aston Martin V Advantage manual from the early 2000s is a better value than the new V Advantage, manual or automatic. And so I say, I'm not going to buy the brand new Aston Martin Vantage. Not only because it's not good, but also because it's not as beautiful and it probably won't hold this value as well as a, as an old V8 Vantage manual. So uh, that's my pick for my wild card. So it looks like both of us on our wild cards picked a car that fits our lifestyle more than anything. Yeah. So I grew up in Florida, uh, but I've never, I didn't grow up on a boat. I just grew up burning uh, on the beach and then burning in a kayak, and then burning on the beach again. So I didn't need anything to tow a boat. But if I did, 
my Makanji TS could tow more than your Golf R because it's a better daily driver. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed to go with the Raptor because you, you needed a tow car because that I don't think that Golf can tow anything. Not not legally. Um, they're rated over in Europe for towing, but um, it's not happening here. And if you did and you get in an accident, there's a whole bunch of insurance things that go go bad. And, and then the number one thing is that the insurance just won't pay for it. Yeah, the insurance won't pay for it because it's not used as intended. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. All right. Well, that's enough. That's enough practicality, I think, for one day. I think now it's time to talk about the dream, the the ultimate. Oh, the, yeah. What you got going on, Austin? All right. So for my daily driver, I wanted to be like on the forefront of technology. Um, so I wanted an electric car. I know Tesla makes fantastic electric cars, but they don't have like the racing heritage that I want in a like daily driver in my dream category. So I decided to go with the Taycan. Um, nice. Yeah. I think the Taycan's pretty cool. It has more like, Volkswagen. What? Yeah. More, more <laughs> Volkswagen. But yeah. I, I like the Taycan. I like the idea of a electric car that has racing heritage. So they aren't concerned about the range. They're concerned about the feel when you're behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, yeah, they and I don't have any range anxiety. So like, I don't need that 400 miles of range that Tesla is starting to push. I need, mm-hmm. you know, 10 miles of range to be able to get to work yeah. and, you know, another well, 10 the, to get home. Well, it seems like everybody who tests this car is beating the EPA range. So yeah, I've, I've heard I that. mean, you're getting a lot better mileage than just what the EPA has to say about it. 215 miles. No, I think I've been seeing like 250, 270 miles of range on a charge. I've seen a lot higher. And I think part of it is that the Taycan comes from the factory with the auto region braking turned off. Mm -hmm. So you're still doing two pedal braking, which is not common in a lot of other electric cars. Um, So you're losing a lot of energy through that. Um, But it makes it feel more like you're driving a, like a, internal combustion car which also i think the epa test for that one to note is they never took it out of first gear the the tycon unlike the tesla cars has a a two-gear transmission instead of a single gear transmission Mm -hmm. and whatever reason on the epa test loop that they did they never exceeded a speed that required them to get into second gear so they did the whole thing in first gear which is when you've got two gear yeah when you're not in the highest gear you're not going to be as efficient yeah, that would be like trying to run a car at 6,000 RPM and then being like, oh, it's not efficient. Why is my gas mileage terrible? I'm running yeah. at 6,000 RPM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be electric for my daily, but I don't so, have any range anxiety, so I'm going for the one that I think has the most racing yeah. heritage. Yeah, and it's going to be the most fun to drive. I think um, that's a winner right there. Yeah. So getting into my weekend category, I picked a white Agera R but there's like a specific white Agera R that I've had is my background on like multiple phones and almost all of my computers um, since like senior year of high school. Um, It's got some blue stripes. I just found it while browsing the internet one day. So I want that guy's white Agera R. I don't know too much about it, but I love the car. I love the way it looks. Wherever you are, let us know. (laughs) Yeah. And I honestly understand that there's, you know, 
the RS came out and now they have like the Regera came out and they have the Jasco and like Koenigsegg makes some crazy cars and I love their cars, but none of them have really had that feel. Like I've never wanted one more than that specific white one. So I have mm-hmm. to say a white Regera R with the blue stripes is my, uh, my uh, weekend car. And uh, you know, I'll probably never be able to own it, but if I could afford it, tracking that specific car's car down is going to make it an adventure that's going to make it even more memorable. That would be an incredible adventure. Not only to have the money to find it, but then to buy it off the guy when you do. Yeah, yeah and I'm sure it's going to have a premium. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's part yeah. of it. Those mm-hmm. cars, like when you get into that cl- class of cars, they're an investment. They're not just like a car that you buy and lose money on. Yeah, no, those those will appreciate those I'm, um, you know, pinnacle of engineering type cars. Those things will always be valuable. Yep. All right. So now we have to get into my wild card, which <laughs> it follows along with my wild card from the um, practical category where I need something that can tow because I want a boat, but the type of boat that I want is kind of heavy for this car. Um, but I want a G63 six by six. So that doesn't really tow very well. Like I looked up the numbers and it's terrible. It's not great. <laughs> but I want like my wild card in the dream category to be like insane and be able to pull like the full blown, like, like a super SE top of the line wakeboarding boat that can hold like 18 people. And mm-hmm. when those are all fully loaded, even like the Raptor from before, not, not going to do it. It's more of a, you know, three quarter ton or one ton truck kind of sounds like a full project, a full heavy duty truck job. So yeah. So my G63 six by six is going to need a lot of work to be able to do what it's supposed to. So it's going to end up having to be like, like a, a military spec out version of this six by six, like a Unimog, like Unimog engine and transmission in your G G sixty three six by six body. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna have to be something special. But I love the way the six by six looks, and I think that's the best looking six by six, and it's very unique. It's also large. You know, it's probably going is to it? Be, yeah. It, oh, it I had looks, no idea. It that looks like it's a truck with three axles was big. Yeah, it looks like it's probably going to need like an aircraft carrier to move it around or something. But you know, it's hey, actually not that it? big. I've seen it. On a, it. I've seen it on a flatbed. It's actually not. Oh, as you can insane. fit this singular truck on the flatbed of an, a flatbread, flatbread, <laughs> the flatbed of a semi truck. Oh, that's great. That's re- totally reasonable. Yeah, just the one. Why truck, would you though? just drive it though? I don't know, because for a long time I didn't even realize these things were road legal. Oh man. Well, it's definitely road legal. Yeah. They're road legal, but they just look like they shouldn't be like, they look like they'll run over any car. They, this car is so big that you could probably run over both of my cars and this other cars in this category and then be like, Oh, was that a speed bump? (laughs) You probably could. But I mean, Hey, with, with the amount of money that you'd have to have to track down your Agaro R, I'm sure you could get Mercedes AMG to do whatever you wanted to that G63. Oh, I bet they could be, build me a custom one for that. Send it off yeah. to like Brabus too. No, don't don't Brabus it. <laughs> and definitely don't Mansory it. That yeah. It'll make you go blind. For those of you who don't know, Mansory 
uh, has some pretty out there artistic expression when it comes to car modification. Allegedly. Allegedly. In our, in our opinion, allegedly. Yeah. Because we have eyes. Allegedly. (laughs) That is, that's a very interesting threesome right there. I like that. You're you're pretty much, it's comprehensive there. Your list. Yep. You got, you know, like a, essentially a GT car the most insane of supercars and then mm-hmm. you know the most insane whatever the heck a six by six, yeah whatever category that falls into it wins that category yeah not really for towing but we can, when you have dream car money you can make anything tow yeah don't let your dreams be dreams turn your dreams into reality dreams just by regular dreams. brothers to modify a six by six just yeah don't <laughs> don't let them touch the uh, exhaust though but anyway, now that we've looked at my dream garage, let's take a look at yours and see if you can do any better. So much like you, I'm a big fan of the Volkswagen Auto Group and what they're putting together. Uh, I like that Taycan. Um, I like the, the idea of having a daily driver that is sort of the pinnacle of where technology is. But I think instead of going full full EV, I want to take that that EV technology and apply it to the the perfection of where the car is now in my opinion and there is no better car than the panamera turbo s uh e-hybrid sport turismo executive it's a name so long it takes exactly one breath to say it out yeah i was gonna ask did you just pick that because it has the longest name you know part of me i think did yeah uh it takes about 30 seconds to to say the name i love it but basically deep breath and be prepared yeah <laughs> it's it's the ultimate wagon it's the ultimate car manufacturer making the ultimate shape and it's got the ultimate engine um it doesn't get better than that twin turbo v8 with uh, with a hybrid system attached to it um you've just got the fastest thing on the streets mm-hmm. and it's practical i mean you can't get you can't go wrong with something like that no, it's a really great car, and I wish I would thought of that before I picked all electric, but I'm sticking with my choice. Oh, the Taycan is phenomenal, but you know, if I wanted to go more than 250 miles, the Panamera Turbo is right for me. It's because I like road tripping so much. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of driving cross-country because I just drove across country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my weekend car... Um, I'm branching out here from uh, from Porsche. Uh, branching out to uh, Porsche, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm going with the 911 Speedster. It's a cool for, one. For those of you who don't know, the 911 Speedster is this limited edition uh, convertible top 911, which basically a convertible GT3. So. In in a lot of regards, a GT3 is what's what's considered the ultimate sports car, the ultimate weekend car, canyon car, what have you. Um, and I'm just taking the top off. Everybody loves to take their top off. I'm taking my top off too. And I think a 911 Speedster is the the most beautiful and exciting way to to do it. Uh, what's up? Oh, it's a earlier or at one point in time you had mentioned that 
all of these are going to be green cars. So what's your next yes. green car? My next green car. Well, you know, I love green so much. <laughs> my next car is a, a green Pagani Huayra as my wild car. So slightly different direction than you, I think. Uh, I have two cars that are not practical at all in any sense. And they, you might think they do the same thing, but the Pagani Huayra to me is, I think it's the pinnacle of, of automotive design um it's absolutely gorgeous uh in the same way that koenigsegg is the pinnacle of automotive engineering i think what horatio pagani is doing at um at his firm is just phenomenal it's a beautiful car goes fast looks like a spaceship and it gets all the attention and i saw this one green exposed carbon fiber um this picture on instagram a few years ago, and I just fell in love with that spec. Uh, much in the same way that you fell in love with your white Agera R a few years ago, and you stuck with it, I've stuck with my Pagani Waira. And if I had all the money in the world to spend on a car that is completely pointless, uh, that's where it'll go, right there. All right, so we've taken a look at our three-car dream garage. Now it's time to talk about the next section, which is uh, about personal finance for the car enthusiast. We call it the Capital Conversation. This part of the podcast, we're not talking about cars. Well, we are talking about cars, but what we're really talking about is the finances behind owning cars and what being a responsible car enthusiast is all about. And, and being a responsible car enthusiast goes way beyond just what you do on the street and the track. Financial well-being is such a major part of car enthusiasm because it helps you maintain a happy and comfortable life while also filling one of the big passions in your life. There's like a lot that goes into being a uh, responsible car enthusiast. And like you said, you know, it goes beyond just what you do on the street and the track. Um, You know, that's where like safety comes in, but you really have to consider your uh, personal finances with uh, owning a car. Um, because it affects your life. It's like if you're spending all of your money, it's going to be a lot harder to live a happy and comfortable life. Yeah. It's, it's important when you're buying a car and you're, and you're serious about your, your passion for cars is to avoid buying too much car. Austin, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this. I think we've talked in depth um, I had a very stressful conversation listening to you talk about all of the issues you've had with previous cars and how stressful that ownership was stretching yourself to buy a car that you, you know, you were barely able to afford. Yeah. So, um, my STI was a perfect example of buying too much car. I literally bought the cheapest version of the STI that I could find which was already at the top of my budget. So the cheapest ver- cheapest option I could find was the top of my budget, which resulted in a, a lot of maintenance costs because that car was driven hard and had a hard life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, you may be buying a car used, but you know, you, you may still be having to deal with those expensive maintenance problems. That's, you know, that's why you don't buy a $20,000 Bentley. It was because the car may have not cost you very much, but all of the maintenance and the problems associated with it didn't just disappear overnight. You know, those are still there. And on a used car, they're going to come quickly uh, and very, very expensively. Yeah. So you don't want a car where you can't make the payments or you can't afford to do the maintenance. 
um, like if you lose your job, but even more so, like if you have your job and you're having to increase your hours to be able to afford those, it doesn't make sense. Like owning a GTR is really cool until you're working 80 hours a week and can't drive it. It's a great example. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about car ownership, I think we look at it as two different categories. We think about cars as, as an appliance and we can think of cars as entertainment and, you know, appliance cars should not be a financial burden to you. You know, these are cars that you drive because you need, you know, you need them. They're a tool to get you from point A to point B. You know, they're a part of your life that you can't live without. And these should be as little as you can reasonably spend on a car for it to do its job. You know, uh, an appliance should not be something that is all consuming, right? You shouldn't buy, uh, you shouldn't max out your credit just so you can, you know, pimp around in a C300 because you can just barely afford it, but you want to look good even though you're just driving to work and back. Yeah, so that's where you want to like keep your costs down. You're trying to get from point A to point B as cheaply as possible. Um, and that's where we kind of think like the total costs, including like monthly payments, insurance, maintenance, like 10% of your income should be like the top. And that's, and that's gross, right? Yeah, that's not, still not, gross. Not net. <laughs> yeah, if that's net, your, your options are limited. You're looking yeah. at 2000s Corollas, 2000s Ultimas, 2000s Tauruses. So pretty wide option there. Yeah, I mean, there's, you can still buy new, but it's still, you want something that's like reliable and cheap. You don't, you don't need the, the extra expenses. Um, right. Where, where you're it needs, getting into, it needs to work. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to lose your it. job because your cheap car broke down. Right. Like right now, you know, I drive a Jetta and I've had this Jetta for four years and you know, I was, I was in college when I had it. And so, yeah, I riced it up a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's still, you know, as much as I love it, it is an appliance. It gets you to point A, point A to point B cheaply, safely, you know, it's cheap to insure, it's cheap to run, and it's going to last me a long time because I take care of it. You know, and it, it costs me way less than 10%, but it's, you know, it's all I need right now mm -hmm. from a car that takes me to work and back. Yeah. But then we look at, you know, the entertainment cars, and these are the ones that are kind of like your hobby or they like improve your life. Um, we don't want these to take away from your life, you know? No. Um, yeah. These are, these are hobbies, right? You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not it's not something that you sl you're a slave to, right? You shouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, you know, if I want to, if I want a sports car, I shouldn't go and try to buy, you know, a brand new Dodge Viper, you know, cause if I can't, you know, if I can't afford it without making sacrifices that affect my quality of life, then it's not really a hobby. Then is it? It's no, this, like this having is a you, child. <laughs> yeah, this is like where you want to have like investments in like emergency funds created, created before you even jump into entertainment car because mm -hmm. you don't want like your entertainment car to break, but then you don't have money to fix it. But if you do fix it, then like if you get injured, you can't pay your medical bills. Yeah. It would be terrible to be injured and then have medical bills that were several thousand dollars. I would, yeah, like, I would hate to do something like destroy my shoulder. Yeah. Like have in, to have in, your... in such a way that it also broke my collarbone and six of my ribs. 
Yeah, that'd be um, terrible. It would be absolutely terrible it's, um, it's to like, have that happen to me while I was longboarding, Austin. That would just be absolutely terrible, wouldn't it? It would be terrible. And that, you know, that happened to me. Oh, it you did know, it. It oh, happened to me. Wow. And I was how, still able, how interesting that, yeah, that specific situation has happened. I was you. actually still able to pay for my medical bills and my golf R um, and college while I uh, had those injuries because I had planned ahead based off of, you know, these ideas of being a fiscally responsible car enthusiast. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I suffered an incident. I didn't actually have any responsibilities at the time. Thank God. But if I did, you know, I broke both my arms, um, which as hilarious as that is, it makes driving a car challenging wearing double casts. Um, and so when you can't go to work because you broke both your arms cause you're an idiot, it's important to have a safety net for yourself when, you know, when you can't work, you know, if insurance doesn't pay out or something like that, which it rarely, in my experience, it rarely does. Um, you know, and even right now I'm looking, you know, looking to save for a, for an entertainment car. And so there's a lot to think about, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, job markets volatile right now. I don't know if you know this, Austin, there's a pandemic going on and people are getting furloughed and whatnot. Uh, I'm lucky enough to, you know, have kept my job because I work in an industry that's had to stay busy, 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 uh, you know, working in the food industry. Yeah. What if I lose my job? Well, fun you know? fact. And then I have two cars. <laughs> well, fun fact, I'm on fun the opposite fact. end of that spectrum and I did get yeah. furloughed mm-hmm. on top of, you know, breaking my ribs, breaking my shoulder, the medical yeah. bills, my car payments, my insurance payments, school payments. So yeah, like I said, I was able to make all of this happen because I planned ahead. It wasn't how I expected my life to go, but yeah. I planned ahead and it made it, I made it work. Yeah, life, um, life rarely goes how you plan it. And mm-hmm. money makes a world go round. And so you've got to have enough to take care of yourself above all else. Yeah. Um, so going forward, we do think it is okay to combine you know, your entertainment appliance cars. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's what I was trying to do with my Jetta. Yeah. You know, am I going to tune the hell out of this car? Yes. Am I going to put massive wheels on it? Yes. Am I going to do a bunch of crazy modifications to it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And in this situation, you know, you're buying a car that's going to like wear out. So you're going to have depreciation. You're going to have the maintenance and, um, insurance gas like all of that's going to add up mm-hmm. um so you're kind of wanting to look for you know what's going to be reliable but still fun what's going to have low costs and still you know give you that entertainment um you know this is probably where you're going to be looking more at used cars so you're going to want to start thinking about like what's your maintenance cost like my sti maintenance mm-hmm. disaster yeah like that's how much did you spend on that car over the life of your ownership about 10 grand in five years in maintenance and this was like could have been prevented by waiting a year and buying a car that was a little better condition but mm-hmm. as soon as i had the money i jumped in on it and that was yeah. the car that kind of taught me these lessons of what not to do when buying mm-hmm. a car yeah and really i mean we talk about all these things where it's important to look for reliability and things like that and depreciation but when you're looking for a car you know, all of these things have a dollar figure associated with them. And 
when you're budgeting, you just have to gauge what's important to you. You know, depreciation, there's a cost for depreciation. There's a cost to reliability. How much does that mean to you? You know, yes, you can daily a V10 BMW M5. Uh, will it be reliable? No. Will it depreciate? It depends on which one you get. But, you know, it's it's you have to make those decisions for yourself. But the important thing is to be informed and be ready for when it grenades its own transmission or it eats up IMS bearings, which it will do. And you'll need to rebuild the engine twice and the transmission 17 times. Mm -hmm. So when you're buying a car, you have to like consider like the appliance category when you're combining them. Like how much do you want to spend to get from point A to point B? But now you're throwing the hobby aspect of it in for Mm -hmm. the entertainment. So like how much are you willing to spend on that hobby? Um, And obviously you're going to spend more than 10%, you know, when you're combining it, right? Because it's a hobby. You're you're combining the needs with the wants. You can spend more money on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're lucky, your dream car for the, like, you know, combining them will get you less than 10%, Mm -hmm. but it like, of course, ideally, yes, ideally (laughs) you want to have these numbers as low as possible. Um, And we looked into it and, you know, we looked at 20% and what it would look like. And 20% is like doable, but it's extremely risky, especially if you're taking out loans, because all of a sudden you have a car that's you're borrowing money on. And if you lose your job, you can't afford the car anymore, but now you're out your daily driver. Um, and that's right. terrible. That's not a place where you want to be. No, that's, it's a risky situation when you invest all that money into one asset that really isn't an asset and you could really lose, lose a lot of money on if you need to get rid of it in a pinch. I know for me personally, when I'm looking at budgeting for the car that I want to get, um, you know, looking at trying to keep it around 15% of my monthly gross is going to all my car stuff, you know, so car insurance and um, payments and maintenance and all that type of stuff, you know, all that stuff, I'm kind of trying to keep around 15% because I think that based on, you know, where I live and how much I make and everything about my budget, you know, that's the amount of money that I'm most comfortable with. I don't really want to spend you know, I want to spend more than 10% because I want to get good stuff, but I don't want to go over 20% because then I'm putting myself at risk mm-hmm. that I won't be able to, you know, save more money. You know, I don't want money coming in and coming out. You know, I still want to save money mm-hmm. and yeah, build the retirement funds, build the mm-hmm. um, emergency funds, you know, the, that 15% figure I know you were telling me is based off of all of the expenses. It's not just yeah. like, it's not just, it, it's not just the loan on the car. Yeah, yeah. It's not just payments. Payments and insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's important to consider. It's like, yeah, you might be able to afford payments on a car, but can you afford insurance and then, you know, tires when they get need to be replaced? Like yeah. some tires, like the size that they need to be are hard to find. Like I've had mm-hmm. to have custom ordered stuff and it's, yeah. it gets expensive. Like, like if you're buying a Dodge Viper, um, Get ready to buy three thirty-five cross-section tires, which are what eighteen inches across, Austin. I uh, yeah, something Just like that. Like enormous tires, uh, and those are not the same tires that you. They're not the same price as tires for your Corolla. They're like five hundred dollars each. Yeah. So, like another example is just with my Golf. 
they use a 235 35R19. Those are the wheels that I have because I stole them from a guy. I didn't steal them. I bought them. But I bought them of a guy who had a golf R. Yeah. (laughs) So I I didn't want to get rid of my stock wheels because I love the way they look. So when I was getting winter tires, I had to find that. Mm-hmm. And that was a disaster. How much? How much are the tires? How much are your summer tires, Austin? They're about three hundred a piece. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, uh, and, and so yeah. <laughs> and same with the winners are about three hundred a piece. But the thing is, is this size is super uncommon, so they're yeah. made in batches. So I ordered mine in November, and mm-hmm. got them in February. Yeah, eighteen-inch wheels are much more common than nineteen-inch wheels, as I have also found out. Yes. So like that's even something to consider is just what size tire does your car have is a could be a difference between like a $200 tire and like a $400 tire. Yeah. Really it's just being knowledgeable. Yeah. You know, it's really what we're talking about is you know, you setting your sights on a goal, whatever your goal is, you know, and researching everything about it, you know. Yeah. If if you want a Mustang, research Mustangs, research what it costs to own, what it costs to buy and maintain and buy tires for and what breaks down, you know, how much the the lawyer fees are going to be when you drifted into crowds, leaving cars and coffee, you know, those sorts of things. Those need to be factored in when you're looking at buying cars. Yeah. And, you know, now we're here to, you know, introduce you to concepts that you may not have even known existed um, about you know, the finance world behind like owning a car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's money is always thought of as taboo talking about money, how to, how to deal with money, finances, all that stuff is, is seen as so taboo. And, and in with that, it's always, everyone's always afraid to talk about money. They're always afraid to think about money and research how to wait, you know, ways to save money. And they don't want to talk about it because, for whatever reason, they don't want to talk about it. And, you know, we're here to just say that it's, it's okay to talk about and it's okay not to know where to go, but we're here as a good starting point to mm-hmm. talk about the basics of finance and what finance looks like when you're a car enthusiast and how you can, you can save money and have a whole lot of fun behind the wheel. Yep. And, you know, if you think of it this way, we're trying to help you enjoy today, but plan for the future. Um, you know, we're helping you get to a point where you aren't making a choice that'll have an expensive car in your driveway that stops you from, you know, retiring or you'll lose sleep when you realize you can't afford the payment on it because you lost your job. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to lose your job, but we want you to be planning ahead because you never know. Well, thanks for tuning in everybody to the cars and capital podcast. Uh, Make sure to subscribe where you normally listen to podcasts and please check us out on Instagram at Cars and Capital.